0: night in Charlotte, we will start at the quarterback position. And this is one that was really tough for me, guys. It was. Because when Spencer Rattler is at his best, I would argue his ceiling is higher than that of Drake May. But it's not the ceiling that I'm concerned with. It is the floor. It's not the brilliance I am concerned with. It is the inconsistency. And we saw far too much of that from Spencer Rattler a season ago. Now, many of you will try to convince me, Chris, that was with the Marcus Satterfield playbook. Things have changed. The offense is just going to pick up right where they left off from the end of last season, and Spencer Rattler – is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football this season. You know what? You may be right. But I have to see it. We get so lost talking about Spencer Rattler in that Tennessee game last season. Six touchdowns, no picks, 430 or so yards in that game. He was brilliant. Arguably the best quarterback or best performance by a quarterback in school history in an individual game. But I've said this many times, and I'll say this again. I think the game against Clemson at the end of last season much more defines who and what Spencer Rattler is. He was brilliant, right? 72-yard touchdown pass to Juice Wells, put his shoulder down for the touchdown run, had the great fourth-down conversion. Back of the end zone, hits Juice Wells yet again for the score. He was magnificent at times. But you can't also forget, pick six to start the game. A costly red zone interception. And after a couple of years in college football, guys, I think we have to acknowledge that's just who Spencer Rattler is. I don't think it's fair to say... Coming into this season, that all of a sudden he's turned some corner and we're going to see Spencer Rattler put up 38 touchdowns and, and five interceptions. I just don't think that's who he is right now. I don't think that's who he is going into most likely his final season of college football. When he's at his best, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. When he's not, who knows? And that can win a lot of ball games for South Carolina, that gunslinger type of mentality. But while the ceiling is up here, the floor is what concerns me. You then look at Drake May, ACC Player of the Year last year, single-digit interceptions. He can also run the football. He led UNC in rushing yards, which speaks to the running game. We'll talk more about that in a second but a guy who can beat you in multiple ways. And I understand he closed out 2022 on a very down note. But when I look at both of these quarterbacks, when I compare and contrast them, the knowns of right now, and what I can expect to get out of each player, I side with Drake May and North Carolina. I think North Carolina has the advantage, a slight advantage. This is a great quarterback matchup. This is a great quarterback battle. But I give the slight edge to North Carolina at that position. I think Drake May is a legit dude. I think he's a baller. I think he's going to have yet another fantastic season. I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick easily. He's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I would put him probably at second or third right behind Caleb Williams. I think Spencer Rattler nationally sits somewhere between 15 to 20. And it's all because of that floor, guys. It's all because of that inconsistency. If Rattler can find that, well, then watch out. He could elevate himself in that conversation. But right now, I give the edge to Drake May Moving to running back, guys, this is a mystery for both sides. You look at UNC, and we talked with Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated earlier this summer, and they mentioned the questions in their running game and especially in the running back room. British Brooks, Omarion Hampton, Elijah Green, Caleb Hood, George Petaway, these are all guys who are options for UNC, but there is no clear-cut starter. You look at their latest depth chart. They have an or right at the top. And you look at the experience. You know, Brooks is a graduate transfer player, graduate player, excuse me. Sophomore, junior, junior, sophomore. That's how they go in the running back room. Is their experience at the position greater than South Carolina's? I would say so. Is their talent better? We... We don't know that. It's a complete unknown in that backfield. Like I mentioned, guys, anytime you're coming into a season where your quarterback led you in rushing yards, and I mean, Drake May is not exactly Michael Vick. Your quarterback led you in rush yards? What does that say about your rushing attack, your running back specifically? I then look at South Carolina. We have high hopes for On Joiner, but the guy has never taken a snap as an actual running back at the collegiate level. He'll get his first start on Saturday. Juju McDabble, I think a very nice piece, serviceable. We know he's not between the tackles, but a nice scat back. He sits at RB2. And then you have the four-star freshman, Dontavius Braswell and Mario Anderson, the Newberry transfer. I'm listing this as a push. And here's the reason why. There are just so many unknowns on both sides. There are so many unknowns at each of the respective positions for each respective team, I can't give the nod to one or the other. I cannot sit here and confidently say, yep, South Carolina's definitely got a better group of ball carriers than UNC does. And vice versa, I can't do the same for the Tar Heels either because, guys, who knows? the carry on Joyner, I-, I don't think it's going to happen, but he might turn to 1,000-yard back. We have no idea. Juju McDowell could have 500 yards, his best ever season. Dontavius Braswell could break out and be a star freshman. Marbio Anderson can turn out to be a contributor. We have no clue. And the same thing goes for UNC. There are just no answers on either side at the running back position. And for that reason, I label it a push going into this ballgame. We then move to the pass catchers, the wide receivers specifically. And this is heavily affected, guys, by the absence of Tez Walker. The transfer coming out of Kent State, six foot two and a half, 200 pounds. You guys have heard by now, unless you've been living under a rock, the battle with him and the NCAA. Will he be eligible in this game? I am operating as if he will not be. And admittedly, this position unit comparison for the receivers, it is impacted by Tez Walker and the health of Juice Wells. Even without Tez Walker, UNC features a nice array of pass catchers. J.J. Jones, Christian Hamilton, Kobe Pesor, Nate McCullum, the Georgia Tech transfer, Gavin Blackwell, Andre Green Jr., J.J. Jones. The list goes on and on of those talented players. You then look at South Carolina. Guys, I'd argue Juice Wells is better than anybody UNC will trot out there. And that's no disrespect to them. I mean, this guy's one of the best receivers in all of college football. I, I mean, I think that's a, a fair claim to make. You then look beyond him. And while there's a lack of proven options, I do like the options past Juice Wells. Xavier Leggett is a guy that we've heard about all offseason. He is primed for his breakout campaign in Garnet and Black. You then go to Morgan Brown, who I think is a guy that maybe he hasn't been quite utilized the way he should have been. I think he can make a big impact for South Carolina this year. You look at Eddie Lewis, the Memphis transfer, and what he did for them. The numbers he put up, I think he'll factor in. Omega Blake, a guy that, you know, he has not made an impact to this point, but they have been ranting and raving about all offseason long. And then you look at Nicholas Harbour, who Shane Beamer has mentioned. He is clear and ready to play. How much does he play? We shall see. But you got to love that high-end talent, that high-end potential being at your disposal. When you factor that in, guys, if Tez Walker was playing, I would undoubtedly have a different feeling on this. I would undoubtedly have a different opinion on this. But because of his absence and the status of Juice Wells, that being he will be playing on Saturday night, I give the slight edge to South Carolina when it comes to the wide receiver position going into this ballgame. We then move to tight ends. This is one that has been really controversial on social media. And guys, I have no clue why. I have absolutely no clue why the spurs up show is brought to you by our friends over at twisted tea are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience check out twisted tea your go-to game day beverage for college football fans twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with five percent alcohol It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. You look at North Carolina's tight ends. John Copenhaver, Kamari Morales, and Bryson Nesbitt are their top three returners. Junior, graduate, and a junior. All guys who have spent multiple years at the University of North Carolina. Listen to these stats really quickly. Listen to these stats. UNC's top three returning tight ends. These were their statistics at North Carolina last year. 78 catches, 1,087 yards, and eight touchdowns. Here's South Carolina's top three tight ends, none of which were on the Gamecocks roster last year. But either way, this is how they fared. 46 catches, 569 yards. They did have 12 touchdowns, thanks to Joshua Simon hauling in seven touchdown catches at Western Kentucky. Here's why I give the edge to North Carolina. As I just mentioned, these players on UNC's roster, guys, they were all here last year. They're all top targets for Drake May that he is very familiar with. He has chemistry with. They've made big plays together. Those numbers of South Carolina's top three returning tight ends, here's a little kicker for you guys. There are only two tight ends on this roster who have statistics from last year. The number three tight end for South Carolina is Nick Elksness, the Florida transfer. He didn't even play. Played a little bit on special teams. He did not register a stat a season ago. I've got high hopes for Trey Knox. I've got high hopes for Joshua Simon. But Joshua Simon even is a guy that... Comes from Western Kentucky, now to the SEC. What's that transition going to be like? Trey Knox, a guy that, guys, you look back at his stats at Arkansas, they've been fairly pedestrian. Doesn't mean he can't have a breakout year this year, but that's the reality what the numbers say. UNC's got three legit dudes. I don't even know how this is a conversation. I, I just... If you think South Carolina's tight ends are going to be better throughout the year, that's totally fine. But right now, going into season opener, North Carolina has the better tight end group. And guys, it's not even close. It's not even remotely close. And the only way you could figure otherwise is if you have Gamecock blinders on. Because there's just absolutely no way you can look at this objectively and say, South Carolina hands down has the better tight end group than UNC. UNC goes three deep of contributors. South Carolina can't even say that. I give the nod to UNC at tight end. Let's move to offensive line. This is another one that we're splitting hairs. These are all very close, by the way, except tight end, but these are a lot of these are very close. The offensive fronts, both these offensive fronts are very questionable, right? I mean, you look at UNC, they were not great at protecting Drake May a season ago, could not get much of a run push for their running backs. Drake May was able to benefit, but outside of that, not much of a running push in the true rushing attack. And physicality is something they're preaching in Chapel Hill, being more physical in both lines of scrimmage. We all know at this point, guys, the issues that South Carolina have with their offensive line, you return 50 less starts. Jalen Nichols is out for the year, most likely. You're going to be starting a pair of transfers, or actually, I think, maybe three transfers. You're definitely going to be starting, most likely, Sidney Fugar from Western Illinois, Nick Gargiulo from Yale, and heck, a Yale transfer comes in, and he's all of a sudden your best offensive line. you got questions all across the offensive line. I'm not saying is a top-tier group but they're better than South Carolina's. I give the nod to North Carolina's offensive line ever so slightly because you look. Both these teams were very similar in regards to sack rate percentage. Neither were great at protecting the quarterback. But UNC was about 40 spots ahead of the Gamecocks when it came to rushing offense, right? And so while they were not great, they were better than South Carolina. And you look across the board, a lot of returning experience for the Heels. A graduate, a junior, a graduate, a graduate, a senior. They're a veteran group. They're an experienced group. They not be it may not be a great group, but I think they have less question marks than South Carolina does. I give the nod on offensive line to UNC. Let's move to the defensive side of the football. Defensive line. This is an area and the defense as a whole, but it was a eyesore for UNC last season. I mean, they were the worst practically in everything on defense. Rushing defense, passing defense, pressure in the quarterback. You look at all the numbers. There are no numbers that positively support anything UNC did on that side of the ball. They're listed starters right now. Miles Murphy, who's a solid player. Kevin Hester Jr., Desmond Evans, Guys, could you argue that in Gene Chiswick's, I believe it's his second year, correct? Either way, Gene Chiswick at UNC. Could you argue they take a step forward because they can't get any worse? Sure, but I'm not a believer in UNC's defensive front. You then look at South Carolina, not having JT gear in this game, the Syracuse transfer, that is a blow. The Gamecocks have real questions at the edge. The return of Jordan Strawn is massive. But who is that other guy? Is it Tyreek Johnson? Is it Terrell Dawkins? Is it Brian Thomas Jr.? Is it Drew Tuizamu, who has just been added to the roster from UAB? That's a big question mark going in this one. You then look on the interior. talking Hemingway, Alex Huntley, TJ Sanders, Nick Barrett. This one's really close yet again for me. But guys... It's hard for me to give any nod to UNC on the defensive side. For that reason, I'm rolling with South Carolina's defensive line. I think the Gamecocks have the advantage at defensive line in this ballgame. You then move to linebacker. This is one that's yet again controversial. I am very high on South Carolina's linebacker group going into this season on what it can be, right? That it can be improved from what it's been over the last couple of years. One thing that concerns me is this. The status of Mokaba. If they do not have him, if he is limited, that is a big loss for the Gamecocks. Debo Williams listed as the starter on the first depth chart. And I know Debo's improved. I know he's a veteran. But we've seen what we've seen over the last couple of years. And at the other linebacker spot, Stone Blanton, Grayson Pup Howard. I believe Stone Blanton can and will make a big jump, make a big step. But we got to see it. A lot of uncertainty there. And then you're relying on a true freshman in Grayson Pup Howard to fill in a major role. You then look at UNC. Cedric Gray, who registered 147 tackles last year, 147 tackles, led all of college football, or one of the leaders in college football. Power Eccles, the other linebacker, 6'2", 25, junior. I like what UNC has at the Mike and the Will linebackers. I, I like what North Carolina has at linebacker. This one's splitting hairs also. It's very, very close. Don't get me wrong. But with no Mokaba, and I'm not saying he's out for the ballgame, but is he 100%? How much action does he see? I just don't think South Carolina has that leader necessarily. You lose your top tacklers from this group. UNC returns their guy. That reason I give, it's a slight edge. It's a very slight edge.
1: That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
0: We then move to defensive back, and this is yet again where it gets ugly for UNC. They had a slew of transfers hit the portal. And after talking to Andrew Jones, Atar Tar Heel Illustrator, he mentioned, guys, that, you know, in this world of NIL, I mean, shoot, you're managing a roster. There's no more, oh, well, they're just kids and we feel sorry for you. No, no, no. If you're taking up a roster spot and you're not getting the job done and you're getting an IL, you're getting paid, move along. We're trying to clear roster spots for guys who are more capable than you. That's what happened in Chapel Hill. This is a secondary, guys. One of the worst in all of college football. I mean, they were abysmal. We all saw the highlights last year, Appalachian State, what those guys did to them. They got chopped up by everybody. Their secondary looks like this. Elijah Huzzy. that was a nice pickup for them in the portal. He will start at one corner. At the other corner, Marcus Allen. DeAndre Boykins is listed as the starting star, but what is his status? They picked up Antavius Lane as well to fight at that star position. The Georgia State transfer, but he may not play due to injury. You then look at Gio Biggers at field safety, Don Chapman at boundary safety. Can UNC make strides in the secondary? Can they be worse than they were last year? That's the question we should be asking. Then you look at South Carolina. Yes, there were questions replacing your top two corners, but you got a pair of veterans in Marcellus Dial and O'Donnell Fortune that will slide into those roles. And both guys have played really good football for you, especially Dial, who had three interceptions last year. You then go to the nickel, Keenan Nelson Jr., backed up by David Spaulding. Either one of those is a great option for South Carolina. And oh, by the way, the secondary, it's headlined by a pair of freshman All-American safeties in Nick Wari and D.Q. Smith. While there may be question marks in South Carolina's back end to a degree, it's nowhere near Excuse <clears> me, <throat> what North Carolina is facing. For that reason, I give South Carolina the nod at the defensive back position heading into this ballgame. We then moving into special teams, kicking and punting. I don't think I need to spend a ton of time on this one, guys. North Carolina, to be fair, they put a lot of focus and emphasis in their special teams. But it's beamer ball to the moon. And you're not going to find, guys, a better kicker-punter duo in all of college football than Mitch Jeter and Kai Kroger. You also think about the return game, what Xavier Leggett does for you in that regard. And then you look at the punt return game, and I think South Carolina will be vastly improved there with the Marion Brown and Eddie Lewis. I give South Carolina the nod, and it's not even close. And guys, not to play spoiler, but that's most likely going to be the scenario for most every single game because the Gamecocks have the best special teams in all of college football. Finally, we view coaching. And here's what I want to preface when I talk about coaching, guys. And here's what folks need to understand. It's not just head coach versus head coach. This is taking into account the entire coaching staffs. It's not just head coach on head coach. This is taking into account both coaching staffs in their entirety. You go down the list. Shane Beamer in his third year against Matt Brown, who is a college football Hall of Famer of new OCs in this one as well. Really intriguing, right? Dabble Loggins and Chip Lindsey. You can look at DCs. Clayton White and Gene Chiswick. Special teams coordinators, Pete Limbo. And admittedly, I don't know UNC's special team coordinator. Isn't that a shame? Either way, doesn't really matter. While I understand Matt Brown is a college football Hall of Famer, guys, Shane Beamer's already beat him once. He's already taken care of business once against this guy. Matt Brown even admitted they weren't fully prepared for what South Carolina threw at them. I would give UNC maybe the slight edge at offensive coordinator just because Chip Lindsey's a more proven college OC. Does it play out that way in the season or in their tenures? Have no idea, but... I'd probably give a slight edge there, and I'd give a massive edge to South Carolina at defensive coordinator with Clayton White versus Gene Chizik, and then Pete Limbo, of course, having the edge there as well. Is Mac Brown a more established head coach than Shane Beamer? Absolutely, he is. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking coaching. We're talking about the entirety of these two staffs. In my opinion, guys, South Carolina does have the coaching advantage in this ballgame. And you think back, guys, to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. A lot of those guys are still there. Shane Beamer found a way to game plan and scheme and beat UNC with Marcus Satterfield as his OC. He found a way to game plan and scheme and beat Mac Brown with his team in year one. For that reason, I give South Carolina the nod when it comes to coaching. As well, so look back at the position at comparison. At quarterback, I favor UNC. At running back, a push. At wide receiver, I favor South Carolina. At tight end, I favor UNC. At O line, I favor UNC. At defensive line, I favor South Carolina. At linebacker, I favor UNC. At defensive back, South Carolina. Kickers and punters, South Carolina. And coaching, South Carolina. What does it all mean? We'll find out on Saturday night.